Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. All right, what's up, New Community Church? How are you guys doing tonight? All right, all right, all right, I love it. Uh, if I've not had the pleasure of meeting you guys yet, my name is Darrell. I'm part of the team here. I serve here as the worship director here at New Community Church, and uh, I'm just excited to be a part of the team. I'm really excited to uh, deliver this message to you guys tonight. I feel like it's a timely word. I feel like it's something that God really impressed on my heart just to give you guys some encouragement uh, as we gather here this evening. You know, I believe that some words from the Lord are to teach us some new principles, to t teach us some new concepts that are in Scripture. I believe some words from the Lord are to teach us the history of what God's already done for his people and be a reminder of his promises to us. And I also believe that some messages are meant to encourage us and to remind us of just who God is and who we are in him. And I, I think that's the purpose of tonight. I think God really just wants me to be able to encourage you guys and hopefully speak to some of the seasons that you guys are in, uh, that we're all in right now. So as I was prepping for this message, uh, I was thinking to myself, I don't think I'm going to be teaching anything that's brand new. I don't think I'm going to have any earth-shattering revelations for anybody tonight, but I hope that we can all kind of leave this place with a sense of uh, just being restored and encouraged. So as you guys can probably guess from the worship video clip that we just showed, uh, tonight's message is all about waiting. The question that we're answering tonight is, what do I do in the waiting? And last week we talked about uh, dealing with difficult people, so naturally the segue to that is just waiting for those difficult people to move to New Mexico or something like that. <laughs> Come on, Everybody, everybody's been thinking it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We're, we're really just going to dive into uh, just being in a waiting season, and we've probably all experienced something like that. Uh, but I just feel like there's been in this season a wait that myself and individuals that I know here at NUCO and just kind of our church as a whole, there's just kind of been a weight that we've been carrying in our own individual situations and kind of as a church. Um, and I think hopefully you can apply tonight's message to whatever that situation is for you. But I think kind of what I wanted to focus on tonight is carrying that weight of waiting. That's kind of the thing that I've been sensing and feeling recently. So with a show of hands, who here has ever felt like they've been in a sort of holding pattern, uh, kind of a season of waiting? Have you guys ever felt that way before? Okay, cool. Hands going up all across the room. Pretty much everybody in here. Keep your hand up if you feel like that's been you even recently. All right, come on. I'm speaking to somebody here tonight. And lastly, keep your hand up if you feel like that's you literally right now tonight. All right, let's do this, y'all, because we're going to dive deep into what it means to wait and how we wait well. Um, We've all been feeling this weight, this weight of waiting. That's a weird play on words. I'm going to trip over that all night, I think. Uh, but it's a weight of waiting at some point that we've felt in our lives. And so as we go throughout tonight, I just want you all to keep this number in the back of your mind. It's 91%. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what I mean by that yet, but uh, just imagine that God was asking you to spend 91% of your entire life waiting to be able to fulfill the purpose that he has for you. Now, we've all been in these seasons of waiting, but I don't know that any of us can feel like, man, I feel like I've spent 90, 91% of my life waiting on this one thing. Maybe some of us can, but uh, we'll come back to that a little later. For now, we've established that waiting can be really hard, and a lot of times it can be really awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, you guys are feeling the awkward and uncomfortable right now. You're feeling it all. Now, who, who feels a little uncomfortable right now? It's weird when somebody's just up here kind of staring at you and the room's dead silent, right? So, yeah, in, that, in those moments of comfort, that was only like 10 seconds, y'all. I only let y'all hang for like 10 seconds. 
But sometimes our waiting seasons are a lot longer than that. And even in that 10-second period of time, even in a brief moment of pause, did anybody's mind start to wander? Did you maybe start thinking about dinner plans or thinking about, oh, man, I got to get this ready before I start the week tomorrow? Or uh, maybe you just thought I lost my place for a second, which will probably happen at some point tonight. Uh, But at any rate, even when we have brief moments of pause, it's really easy to get distracted, frustrated, or antsy because of the discomfort that we're feeling when we're faced with waiting to know whatever God has next for us. I want to tell you guys a quick story about somebody that I think can probably relate to that tension of waiting to know what was next for him. So if anybody, any of y'all that know me well, um, I'm a big football fan. I love uh, college football, but I also love the NFL. I'm a big uh, Commanders, Redskins, Washington football team, whatever they're going to be called at some point in the near future. They've gone through like nine name changes recently. Uh, I'm a big fan of them, uh, so it's been a lot of losing in my life, all that kind of stuff, but it's all good. It's all good. God's still gracious. Uh, So last weekend was the NFL draft, and if you're not familiar with the draft process, the draft is where all 32 NFL teams come together and they uh, decide who they're going to choose from each college football team to come be the next iteration of their team, come, come join their team. Um, and it's a big deal for these college players because, one, they're going to the league. They're, they've made it big time, and it's only a select number of players that are going to be able to enter the draft. But for the ones that go at the top, for the ones that are drafted in the first round, they have the opportunity to make a lot more money. So it really matters where you're drafted. And so these college players are all looking to get drafted as high as possible. Well, in this year's draft, there was a quarterback from the University of Kentucky named Will Levis. Um, and we have some resident fans of Kentucky here at New Community Church, Sam and Julie Carter. Uh, they would love hearing about Will Levis tonight. But uh, during the lead-up to the draft, the media was projecting Will to go early in the first round of the draft. There's a pretty low chance that he'd make it outside the top five. Like, it was pretty much he was going to go somewhere in those first five picks. Somebody was going to take him. And some dra- draft experts even had him going as high as number one or number two overall, which would mean just a massive pay increase. So he had these massive expectations. His agents... The media, uh, everybody on social media had just hyped all of this up for months leading up to the draft. So when draft night rolls around, Will Levis and his entire family are in attendance for the draft. And they know with almost certainty that they're going to get drafted at some point during that first round of the draft at night. Uh, So the draft starts. He's not taken number one overall. That's okay. Like, you know, they said maybe top five somewhere in there. There's still a lot of teams at the top that need a quarterback. He's not taken number two. Okay. He's not taking number three, and he's not taking number four. And what was interesting about those first four picks, I said Will Levis was a quarterback. Of those first four picks that were taken ahead of him were three other quarterbacks. So that means teams looked at all these quarterback prospects and said, man, we like these three better than Will, even though he was projected to maybe go first overall. Now fast forward just a little bit, and suddenly the first 10 picks of the draft have gone by, the first 15 picks have gone by, And the media coverage kept showing shots of Will Levis and his family. But the narrative started to change a little bit. Before, it was all smiles. It was all like, man, we're so excited to see where he ends up going. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, he started to fall a little bit. Is he going to end up getting drafted? You know, he's going to get drafted at some point, but is it going to be a first-rounder like we thought he was? And you could see uh, at one point Will Levis' mom leaned over and hugged him. And you could see he just had kind of this uncomfortable smile on his face. So the uh, anticipation that they had when it seemed inevitable that he was going to hear his name called in the beginning was kind of started to turn into a negative thing. So you you could see they were just getting a little more anxious about everything. The next few picks are called, and still not him. The broadcast coverage starts to give statistical uh, percentages of how unlikely it was that he would still be available this late in the draft. It was something like 1.8%. Yet there he sat, 
And they spent four hours, Will and his family spent four hours at this draft process on draft night, waiting to hear their name called. Four hours of social media blowing up with their names trending. Four hours of the media just talking about how nuts it was in general. Four hours surrounded by people, yet still feeling all alone with his thoughts. And the end of the first round finally came and nobody had selected him to join their team. Now, can you imagine the isolation that he probably felt in those moments? Can you just imagine hearing all this hype, all this pomp and circumstance for months about how exciting it was going to be, how much of a guarantee it was, how much of a sure thing it was, only to have it crash and burn at the end. And there was nothing he did wrong, but there were probably some feelings of shame or feeling like he let people down because he wasn't meeting the expectations that the entire nation had for him that night. And on day two of the draft, he and his family didn't even return to the draft in per- person. And if I had to guess, it was probably just because they felt discouraged, they felt frustrated, they felt disappointed, and they probably felt a little bit confused that things hadn't panned out how they thought that they would. Now, he did end up getting drafted the next day, early in the second round, but it just wasn't the same feeling as feeling like what they had been waiting for for months was going to come to pass. Now, if I had to guess, there's probably some folks in here today that can relate to those feelings. And to put it in perspective, maybe you felt like God told you something specific. You felt like you heard a word from God. You felt like God said, and you fill in the blank for whatever this is. God said, I was going to do this. God said, I was going to be this. God said, I was going to be a part of this. And maybe it doesn't end up looking like what you thought was going to happen. You keep waiting and waiting, and it just hasn't happened for you yet. So you're stuck wondering and carrying this massive weight of your season of waiting. And the longer you wait, the heavier it feels. The more tired you get of waiting. The more frustrated you get at God for making you wait. The more disappointment you feel. And questions can start to rise up in you. Man, did I, did I really hear God say that? Maybe I, maybe I got it wrong. Did I miss something? Did God just give up on me because I misheard what he was saying? All of this just because we're uncomfortable in the waiting. We start to doubt ourselves what we've heard God say, all of it. And we start to look for a way out of the awkwardness of waiting. Can I tell you guys this tonight? Satan loves to attack us when we're in seasons of waiting. You see, he knows that it's easy for us to feel isolated when we're waiting. And on top of that, in the waiting is often when we are the most susceptible to being swayed in one direction or another. You see, we're just so eager to have any direction at all that we'll even become willing to listen to the wrong voices if it gets us moving again and gets us out of that season of waiting. And those wrong voices and influences can take us right out of where God wants us if we don't have clarity and use discernment as we listen for what he has for us next. So here's the best way I know of personally to get to that level of clarity and discernment when we're in those seasons of waiting. We've got to just become comfortable in the uncomfortable. And it might be hard to admit because we'd all like to think of ourselves as having the patience of a saint. We'd all like to think that, man, I don't mind waiting. Like I can, you know, I'll show some patience here and there and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we hate it. Even in the little things in life, we hate waiting in long lines. We hate waiting in traffic. We hate waiting on the phone with a customer service rep when they've got that hold music playing in the background for five minutes. That is the most annoying thing in the world to me. We hate it with big personal things in life too. We hate it when we have to wait for a boss to recognize all the hard work that we're putting in. That's not a shot at Brandon and Hannah, I promise. <laughs> we, we hate it when we're waiting for God to show us a future spouse or for a significant other to finally pop the question. We hate waiting to have a difficult but necessary conversation. We hate 
waiting for the medical results to come back. We hate waiting to hear back about a job interview. We hate waiting to get pregnant, waiting for our kids to turn their lives around, to turn their behavior around. And I don't know because I'm not a parent yet, but uh, if my kids are anything like me, I can imagine that I'm eventually going to spend a good portion of fatherhood just being like, man, when are they going to get this? So I just want to propose to you guys tonight that part of our dislike of waiting as a concept is at least partially due to the fact that we have some misconceptions about waiting. So here are three major misconceptions that I think we often have about whatever waiting is. The first one is this, it's that waiting is passive. You see, we often think that waiting means that we aren't doing anything, whatever's being done, you know, I'll just wait until whatever's done, until whatever's ready for me. So we aren't engaged in those seasons. But if we can flip that logic on its head a little bit, waiting isn't passive. It's active. You see, uh, let me ask you this. When you go to a restaurant, what does your waiter do? Your waiter serves you, right? So in those moments of waiting, be a good waiter. Go serve somebody. Maybe it's not your vision specifically, but you can help them carry out their vision that they know that God has placed in them while you wait for God to speak to you about whatever's next for you. The second misconception I think we have is this. It's that waiting is vacant. Kind of like the first one. Kind of like with waiting being passive. We just think it's an empty period. We think that uh, waiting feels devoid of any direction. That's where we can really start to feel a sense of isolation. But waiting isn't vacant. It's visionary. You see, we sometimes think that God has left us alone in silence, but really he's just laying out the vision and working on our behalf behind the scenes. He's either preparing the situation or he's preparing us to be ready for the situation. But one way or another, something just isn't ready yet. So he's often making sure that the time is right for us to step into something new and making sure that we're equipped to handle whatever that is simultaneously. In the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 64, verse 4, it says this, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for for him. I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that we can just live with the confidence and the knowledge that while we're waiting, God is working. It says, who works for those who wait for him. No one has seen a God like that who's working on their behalf. But we have that tonight. The third misconception that I think we have about waiting is that waiting is a weakness. When we don't have all the answers for what's next, we might feel inferior. We might feel like we missed something along the way. But waiting isn't a weakness, y'all. Waiting is worship. Waiting is a way to glorify God and honor him with what we do with our lives. Because just as we're each called to fulfill a purpose that he has for us, we're also meant to fulfill the call of waiting and obeying when he says to. Both of these are ways to worship him. And anything less in either scenario is disobedience. All of this so far, just to say that waiting and human nature aren't typically in perfect harmony. And the same is true for waiting on what's next from the Lord in our lives. We feel awkward in the space between listening for God's voice and the space between when he's spoken and waiting for him to speak again. We just feel awkward because we don't have a full sense of direction. Those moments between having those clear directions on what's next make us feel uncomfortable. But if we can learn to become comfortable in these still, often silent waiting seasons, we can have enough confidence and trust in God's plan to stand our ground and not be swayed until it's time to move into what he has for us next. So the question is, how do we do that? 
The answer is we have to learn not only to wait. It's not good enough just to wait, but we have to learn to wait well. You see, with waiting, it's not necessarily always the what, but a lot of times it's the how. It's not just the fact that we are in a season of waiting and we're just there in a holding pattern. Sometimes it's about the attitude. It's about our heart posture in those moments. It's about how are we waiting. And I'll give you guys an example of what I mean by all of this. So uh, more than once in my married life, I have uh, had some conversations with my wife. We've both been on both sides of this thing here. But uh, sometimes my wife will come to me and say, hey, uh, I need you to proofread this text message or proofread this email before I send it. And that should always be an indicator to me that there's probably something in that email that shouldn't be sent. Uh, But I I normally proofread it and I'm just like, hey, honey, I love you. You cannot send this email because it's probably going to make things worse. And she looks at me and she's like, okay, so what's wrong with it? What did I say that wasn't true? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's not about the what. It's not about you said anything that wasn't true. It's about the how. It's about how you're saying it. It's about the tone. It's about what you're communicating here by your tone. And so normally after that, we kind of edit the, edit the text message, edit the email. I might be sleeping on the couch tonight because uh, I'm selling my wife out right now, but I asked her for permission. Uh, at any rate, uh, the problem was never the what. The how was the issue. And with waiting, it's exactly the same way. We might be waiting, but our attitude about it just really stinks. It's like, okay, fine, God, I'm here. I'm, I'm waiting. I'll wait for you. Yeah, uh, Yep, still waiting. You said you were going to do X, Y, and Z, but it hasn't happened yet. But I'll, I'll keep waiting. It's fine. It's fine. But you could hurry up if you want to. I mean, I'm not bitter about it at all, but if you want, if you want to hurry up, you can. And it's just that our attitude is not great about it. Slowly but surely, because the posture of our heart isn't correct, we've taken seasons that God intended for us to be in and turned them into something that we despise. I'm going to say that again. We have taken seasons of waiting that God intentionally has placed us in. And we've turned them into something that we despise and don't want any part of. There's a pretty well-known Bible passage in the book of Isaiah that tells us with complete certainty that God has a purpose for us in times of waiting. And I think this is important tonight because, like I just said, this is intentional. Waiting is a design. God has designed waiting seasons for us. It's not by accident. It's not because he forgot about us. It's by design. He has us in a waiting season for a reason. And the reason is this. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You guys have probably heard that verse a million times, but uh, I just, I hope it impacts you tonight in a different way because it's, it's not just a, you know, some cool verse that we can put on some kitschy shine or kitschy sign in the kitchen. It's a great verse for our lives and how to approach waiting seasons. But they who wait for the Lord, if we're willing to stop and wait on God when he says to wait, it renews our strength. It's not just because God wants us to hold up. It's because he's trying to do something in us during those seasons of waiting. He wants to renew our strength. It says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Y'all, can I just tell you, I would love to be able to run and not be weary because I hate running. But we can do that if we're willing to wait on God. And sometimes his purpose for us in a season is just that. The purpose is to wait. There's not some alternative like, hey, wait and. It's just, hey, I'm just asking you to wait. I'm asking you to wait on what I'm doing here. I'm asking you to wait for me to say move again. And it's because he knows that that's when we become stronger in him. That's when we become closer to him. That's when our faith in him and our love for him and our reliance and our dependence on him can grow, thrive, and flourish. 
It's where our roots can grow deep so that when the storms of life come and voices are trying to sway us in one direction or another, we aren't shaken, but we remain in him. Those voices are going to come, y'all. They're going to try and sway us every direction but towards the Father. And we need to be able to have those roots to be able to dig down deep and say, you know what? I'm, I know God asked me to wait in this season, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not faltering. I'm not wavering. I'm not being blown about like a, like a plant that's not rooted down deep. I'm going to stand here, God, because that's what you have asked me to do in this season. Whenever we try to do things in our own strength, God knows that we're not ready for it. He knows that we're always going to come out on the other side weary and ready to quit. He knows all of that. So he asks us to wait on him and his timing for certain seasons. So when we approach those seasons that, again, he's designed for us, when we approach those seasons with negativity and arrogance like we know better, we literally turn God's purpose for us in that moment into something that we don't want anything to do with. Now, I know I've, I've been, if I can be honest with y'all, I've been guilty of that uh, plenty of times in my life. One time when I can remember specifically, it was about six, seven years ago, I was still living in uh, Norfolk down south. Um, and the church that I was attending at the time, I, I just felt like, man, God, I know that you've placed a calling on me to uh, be in ministry, and I know that you've placed this calling in me to, to lead people and to lead things, and uh, God, it's just not happening. I'm not seeing the opportunities that I want to see, and I'm just trying to listen for your voice, but I, I can't hear you. I can't hear you in this season. I'm trying to wait. I want to wait, but like, I think if I, you know, just start making some other plans, maybe it's going to go better for me, and there was an elder at our church that I spoke with. His name was Marvin, and I, I told him kind of what I was going through. I said, Marvin, I'm just having a really hard time just discerning what God's saying to me right now in this season. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm frustrated. I just want to leave. I feel like God's put me here for a reason, but I don't know what the reason is. So I, I want to leave. I'm done. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of going through the same cycle. And Marvin looked at me and he said, you know, whenever I'm uh, finding myself having trouble with discernment and hearing the Lord, I always go back and ask myself, what's the last thing that I know God said to me? And those words hit me. It, it was an instant impact because I was like, oh man, like, I know what God has said to me most recently, and I know that I haven't been super faithful to what he's already asked me to do. And Marvin continued, he said, um, you know, whenever I ask myself that question, that I ask, God, what's the last thing that he said to me? I have to then ask myself, okay, have I done that thing? And if the answer is yes, then the answer is obvious. It's keep doing that thing until God says to move into something else. And if the answer is no, the answer is also obvious because it means, hey, you haven't done it yet. Go do that thing. And like I said, I knew instantly that I hadn't been doing what God had called me to. And how arrogant is it for me to think, or any of us to think, that if we want to do things in our own strength, that it's, one, going to turn out better, but two, how arrogant is it to think that God's going to give us more and we haven't even done what he asked us to do in the first place? It seemed like such a simple piece of advice, but I gained so much clarity in that moment. I knew that God had last asked me to serve and engage in the community that I was placed in, but all I was doing was looking for ways out of where I was. My attitude about it all sucked. I was there, but I wasn't fully engaged because I didn't feel like that was the final destination for me. And let me tell you all, once I changed the posture of my heart and accepted that God had me in the season I was in for a reason, the situation still didn't change for a while. And in fact, if I'm honest, like, I still had to wait, and I'm still waiting on some of those things that I feel like God has spoken over me 
uh, even today. But man, did I get so much more joy from all of it, knowing that I was then moving towards what God wanted for me. It wasn't that God was dragging his feet. It was that I was dragging mine, and that's what kept me in that season of waiting. I was not being obedient to him. My point is that it isn't enough just to wait. We've got to learn to wait well. And waiting well isn't just about having immense patience. It's also about our attitude. It's about being comfortable with the uncomfortable and the uncertain. And when we get to that place of trusting in God's plan fully, and we're confident in what he's said about us, it shifts everything. It shifts something in us. It shifts our attitudes and mindsets about waiting. And it gives us the strength not only to wait, but to make sure that we're waiting well. And that's what waiting well is. It's being so confident in the waiting season that we begin to dig those roots down there that only God can dig up when it's time for us to be planted into another season. Without those roots, like I said before, a plant gets blown about. It can't get the nutrients that it needs to survive and thrive. And likewise, without us being rooted in confidence of what God has said about us, it's easy for us to be swayed in the wrong directions while we're waiting. We need to wait well confident in God's promises for us so that even when things get uncomfortable, we don't stray from what he's meant for us to be. It might seem really simple, but like many things in life, it's much easier said than done. It's so easy to forget, and fortunately, the Bible is full of instructions and reminders of the importance of waiting on God's perfect timing and relying on his strength to get us through. It's almost as if God knew that this is something that we were going to struggle with. So I just want to give you guys some reminders here. I want to give you guys just some scripture references that if you want to take a picture of this, if you're just ever in a season where you're like, man, I just need some confidence. I just need to have some references I can look to in scripture. Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. Psalm 62, 5, for God alone, oh my soul, wait in the silence, for my hope is from him. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Psalm 37.7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Isaiah 30.18, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. That's a tough one, just to be still. Psalm 33, 20 to 22, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still couple of quick observations about all of that. Number one being that I think that those psalmists must have really wanted to stress how important waiting on God's timing is because there were six of those references were just in the book of Psalms and I'm sure that there's a lot more in there and there's a ton more throughout the whole Bible. The second thing that uh, I noticed here was, uh, I don't know about you guys, but just that last verse in Exodus, it really hit me a little bit different. It says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's tough. It's tough just to be still and wait on God. But we can do it with the knowledge that God's already at work. God is fighting for us. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God's fighting for you. You don't need to keep fighting. God is the one that's fighting for you. If you would just be still and let him do his thing. It's reminiscent of the verse from earlier in Isaiah 64 where it said, For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. God is working for us while we're waiting for him. He's not silent. He's not absent. 
Waiting isn't a vacant period. God is at work. God is fighting for us, fighting on our behalf while we're in those seasons of waiting. It's just another reminder that it's only in him that we have our strength. And maybe he's calling us to wait because he is doing the fighting on our behalf. More often than not, while we're waiting, he's still at work. Sometimes we just need to be able to shut up, sit back, and let him do what he's going to do. As a practical takeaway for today, when we're waiting and trying to discern God's voice, here's a simple, thi- a simple lens that I like to filter things through. Just two questions, two pretty simple questions that at any moment of your life, you can stop and say, okay, in this moment, I'm going to ask myself this. The first question is, what is God saying to me? And the second question is, what am I going to do about it? What's God saying right here in this moment? And what's my response to that going to be? I know it sounds really simple, but you can literally just throughout your day, you can be driving and you can be like, man, I feel like I'm hitting every light on the way to work today. Is God trying to speak to you in that moment? Is he saying, hey, get up earlier and you won't be running late for work and you won't be worried about the lights? I don't know. What's God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? What might he be trying to interject in this moment right here? Because let me tell you all, he's always speaking to us. He always wants to have relationship with us. He always wants to communicate and commune with us. So we've just got to step back and be willing to listen in those seasons of waiting sometimes. As we get ready to close today here in just a few minutes, the one thing that I hope you guys can walk away knowing is this. It's that seasons of waiting aren't for your frustration or degradation. They're for maturation and preparation. God's not trying to bring you down a notch. He's not trying to make you feel inferior. He's not trying to make you mad at him. He's not trying to make you turn away from faith because he's asked you to wait so long. It's none of that. He's just trying to grow you and make sure that you're ready for what he's going to eventually call you to. It's maturation. It's a maturing process, and it's a preparation. He's trying to make sure that you're ready for whatever he's calling you to next. And I believe that he's got great things in store for all of us in this room tonight. He's a good, proud father who wants to see us succeed with what he gives us in due season, but he's also a father that knows better than we do, that it takes time for each of us to be ready to fulfill the purposes he has for us. And if there's anybody who knows about a lengthy waiting period and having to trust the father's plan while they spent time growing, maturing, and preparing, it's someone who spent 91% of their life waiting to fulfill their purpose. I told you guys I was gonna come back to that. Y'all thought I forgot for a second. If you haven't guessed by now, I'm I'm referring to Jesus. You see, Jesus spent 30 of his 33 years walking this earth, preparing, maturing, growing, investing in his relationship with the Father, communing with the Father, gaining clarity on what his purpose was. And at the end of his life, Jesus was able to do the unthinkable and willingly give his life for ours. No questions asked. Because he spent his time in the waiting gaining the utmost confidence in what God had called him to so that nothing could sway him or dissuade him from it. You see, Jesus knows better than anyone what we're going through when we're in a waiting season because he lived it himself. So we can confidently follow after his example in our own seasons of waiting and know that God has created each of us for a purpose that he will bring about, but in his perfect timing, not our timing. He'll bring our purposes about. He'll make them known to us. Not in our timing, 
Not when we want it to happen. Not when we feel like, okay, God, I've, I've waited long enough. It's time. Let's do this thing in his timing because he's got a plan and he has a plan for us in the waiting. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.